And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right. Um, as far as we had no injuries uh, today. So, listen, uh, there, there's some good things we can take out of this game, as tough as it is, uh, with our young guys and how they, how they stepped up and competed. Uh, we had too many mistakes when it was all said and done. Um, and they had a few less ones than what, what we did. Uh, but it's good to learn from this and, and, um, it can benefit you down the road if you, if you handle it right. So I, and this team, I think we'll, we'll definitely do that. Um, with that, I thought again, the defensive secondary with Joshua Williams and Devin Bush stepped up in, in big positions for us. Um, again, their experience will, will, uh, benefit us down the road. Um, Jalen Watson. Again, is continuing to to grow back there. So, uh, like I said, the the young guys are um, doing some good things. And then it was good to get Bucker back. Juju, I thought, had a nice day. Um, Kels had a nice day. And then our defensive line with Frank and Chris and Carlos and you know the crew there. I thought they um, they did some nice things uh, throughout. And I, you know, I mean, I can keep going on. When you have a game like this, it's right there. I mean, it's uh, two good teams playing each other, and the smallest of things can can get you um, get you off course, and the other team can, can uh, you know can beat you. So we, we've got to clean up a few things. We'll do that, and then we'll get right back on it and get ready for uh, the 49ers. For that time. Here. It's hard for the pre-proclaimed game of the year to live up to every single one of the expectations when it's a game that gets played in October that has been following some true instant classics and in a game that ultimately isn't as high scoring as some of them in the past. It is, however, just par for the course for Seth Kaiser to meet the expectations because when this man comes to town, He eats an entire cow, two pigs, and occasionally he'll even grab a wing or two off a chicken. That's going to be maybe a later point of conversation here on Times Ours here on The Athletic. Joshua Briscoe, Nate Taylor, and yes, Seth Kaiser, who made it down and back to Kansas City to see the Chiefs lose to the Bills. Sorry you did that, Seth. Sorry the Chiefs (laughs) offense only put up 20 points when you were in town. I, you know... For one thing, it led to me being the first one to talk besides you in this podcast, the uh-huh. honor of which leapfrogging Nate, um, which you, is... You put in the road time to earn it today. This was a conscious I put in, choice. I put in the road time, 20 hours of hey, driving. Hey, hey the, the scout spit out there, okay? Let's let's hear what the report is. <laughs> so I, I just, I do want to say if I was going to do a scouting report, I I mean, are we talking about uh, Josh Briscoe being a... a apparently a wonderkind at bocce ball or is this uh, where nate and i spent an evening just getting it handed to us what is this bot bot bocho ball i've oh, never that's ball. The, i don't even know if we played by the right rules man i I've never played before <laughs> yeah we we may have been playing something that wasn't even bocce ball yeah I, totally I, possible whatever game i invented i was apparently good at look i was i was due 
The Chiefs have been 7-0 and in the Patrick Mahomes era with me there. Oof. All good things come to an end eventually. It, was a, it wasn't like it was a terrible game to watch. There were some really fun moments. There were some tough moments. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it, it just, it was a good game where both teams, neither team, I wouldn't say the Bills or the Chiefs put out an A effort. Like this was not either of them at their best. They both had some self-inflicted errors. The Chiefs just had a few more at, a, at, at slightly worse moments. And so they lost. Fair enough. I... I'm struggling. Like I, I, I really want to look at the film. I, I have the advantage of having been there in person, so I could see some stuff. You know, you know the all twenty-two view or whatever you want to call it live. The live twenty-two. The live twenty-two. But I try really hard not to be Mister Analysis guy during games. I just want to enjoy the game, and I did. It was it was a good game against a good team. What are you gonna do? Sometimes you lose. The Chiefs are four and two after six games. I think almost anyone would have taken that when they saw the schedule and they knew they were starting a new offense. Them only putting up 20 points, it's a bummer, but it's all fixable stuff. Them allowing some stuff over the middle of the field and some sideline stuff that was just reminiscent to like 2019 and 2020. Like, it's like, yep, there's a pass to Singletary out of the backfield and the linebacker is just not there. Those things are tough to watch, but I don't really, I, as I was listening to, uh, as I was driving home, mm. I, I, I was just idly flipping through the radio looking for, uh, you know, I don't know, some good music or something. Some oldies, little, yep. little country I, music on the way home. And I stumbled across um, a, a show that was like a show that takes place after the game, post game, if you will. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there was a, there was, there was a guy that, uh, there was a, there was a guy that was uh, waxing eloquent about about the game and taking phone calls. Oh, okay, that so that's good to know you're listening to somebody else's post game show because then that could not have possibly that would right there eliminate me <laughs> one and for all. Um, <clears throat> well, no, I was talking like he had Matt Derrick on and Matt Derrick waxed. <laughs> Matt Derrick, wow, right, 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 absolutely. So no, so Josh, I got a chance to listen to you. You did a great job. I would just say. I, it was worth the trip still, had a great weekend, spent some some good times with good friends. But in terms of this game, I don't know if I know anything new about the Chiefs that I didn't know about the Chiefs already, uh, other than maybe one or two things that I took away that are a little more like, okay, well, that's nicer than I thought, and one or two things that are a little more concerning than I thought. But there wasn't any, like, earth-shattering thing. This defense really needs Willie Gay Jr. back badly desperately but we knew that or at least we should have known that like watching the last few weeks and watching what happens in the middle of the field and when they stretch sideline to sideline um the the speed that they added with like brian cook i mean that stuff matters i knew that though the wide receivers are going to be a little bit inconsistent at times as they go into this new offense we knew that juju smith schuster should get more targets we knew that we could talk about sky Moore. I'm still mad about that pick at the end of the game. So I just didn't really learn anything new about the Chiefs. I'm going to look at the film, and there's a lot of discourse right now about is it the offense? Is it the defense? Is it the way? Well, when you lose a close game to a good team where you didn't really play like crap, but you didn't, it was like, you know, like a B, a B plus game that I think if the Chiefs play at that level against most teams, they probably beat them. I, but, I will go ahead and. I will go ahead and take your B, B, B plus sort of effort there because I think that's what I was offering in the post game show. But I appreciate you found the one cogent thought that I formed that it like wasn't a watershed moment for either of these teams in terms of what right. we know. 
Um, but Nate, your commute was much shorter, and uh, you got to watch from a little higher up than I guess Seth did. Uh, what anything that that leaps out to you, notwithstanding just generally that Seth was in town, and we can tell our stories about that momentarily. Yeah, um, you know, I wrote about it in the Athletic. Um, one of the reasons you get up in the morning is so that um, you can make eye contact with Travis Kelsey, and Travis Kelsey can be like, "Yeah, let's let's have a one on one. Let's have let's have some real talk." Um, to the point where he was, I think, blunt and honest and what the ultimate game came down to given the injuries and given the opponent, the chiefs offense had to win that game and they had several opportunities, but none more important than a closeout drive in the middle of the fourth quarter, already having a three point lead um, to, to put the game at a two score advantage for you for the first time. I mean, I know we're going to talk about, all the subplots and all the storylines and, you know, maybe some X's and O's decisions. Cause there are some things that I really am fascinated by with this game that can serve the team for later in the season, or in particular in a potential rematch against the bills, perhaps in Buffalo uh, in January. But yeah, Von Miller's really good. Except Von Miller's great. You still got to get a first down. Like, you still got to move the football. You still got to be in a position to where you can be within striking distance of the end zone. Um, It's not Andrew Wiley's fault, guys. It's not. Yeah. It's not. It's not on Andrew Wiley. And uh, on that last sack, I mean, Mahomes has to get rid of that. And and they were waiting. It looked like they, there was some kind of maybe they were going to the corner on more. Um, and it might have worked, but that's a long developing route. And honestly, when you're against the Bills or any team with a good pass rush, if you're letting yourself get to third and thirteen, that that's not that's not Andrew Wiley's fault. Like no. what what's he supposed to do there? Um Did you see the way and I, I wrote about this? <coughs> I don't know if you've seen the the, the highlights, Seth, based on, on your uh, commute. Did I have you, not. Did you see the way this man dipped? The, Dude, the, it's the, crazy. The bend on Von Miller still at 33 is just oh, I mean, put it in put it in put it in galleries across the world. Like at full speed, setting you up all game for this move. And yeah, maybe Mahomes should scramble. Maybe Mahomes should, you know, uh, you know, throw the ball sooner. But man, there's just nothing Andrew Wiley can do. And you know, there was a point set that you made to us, you know, towards the end of the game, and it really held held serve. Is that Von Miller didn't want to go against Orlando Brown Jr. anymore? Just nope. There's no point in doing that. Um, I have not been successful with that. I just want to pick on. Uh, Andrew Wiley. And there might be games later this season where that is uh, repeatable. And you would assume Andrew Wiley, when not going against, you know, Von Miller or Max Crosby, will hold up a little bit better. Um, but it's it's crazy. Like, Orlando Brown had a very good game. <laughs> like, yeah, by his standards for this season. Uh, I just, look, 
You know, the offense was supposed to win that game. Um, and I don't think people should ever forget that when it comes to where this team is in the standings, where they end up in the playoffs, if they have to play the Bills in Buffalo. All of those things will be traced back to the offense was supposed to win the game. And, you know, for Travis to acknowledge that to me, um, again, in a very blunt, honest fashion, uh, you can't have red zone turnovers. You can't have right just abysmal penalties. You can't have, hey, uh, let's go down the field, and then all of a sudden, you know, stop giving the ball to the running backs, or at least having the threat or more of a balanced approach. Um, look, I mean, the offensive line's got to be better, and maybe you have to make adjustments so that Von Miller always sees double teams no matter where he is on the field. So, and by the way, hey, the quarterback could just be, you know, can be at his absolute peak, which he wasn't at times. Um, But it wasn't, like, it was not the defense's fault. Like, the defense, honestly, Josh, I think that's the best the defense has played all season. Well, so here, here I want to, I'll, I'll come back to my defense thing first. I, I want to read the, the quote from Kelsey. There's more exclusive stuff in the actual story. So if you want to see the, everything here. You're already subscribed to The Athletic. There's no reason on earth you possibly wouldn't be. So I imagine you've uh, either read or had the chance to read Nate's story. But if you haven't signed up yet, theathletic.com slash timesars will get you a, to a sign-up link. But but here's one of the quotes that, Nate, you got from Kelsey. We should have never let them have that lead back. We should have closed it out as an offense. We can't put it in our defense's hands knowing guys were banged up on that side. We had the firepower on offense to be able to move the ball down the field and put it in the end zone late. We've got to be able to do that. You say honest, blunt straightforward. He's right. And none of that is a defense wasn't able to do their job today. It was that defense is, is running with, with threes and fours at multiple positions. Right. And we are the chiefs offense at full health, right? Like, I mean, correct. There's no, there's no injuries. There's the the chiefs defense should get better from here after giving up 24 points to the Buffalo bills. The Chiefs offense scoring 20 points against the Bills needs to get better from here on a few things, but it's not like, oh, well, you know, once they get Juju back from his injury. No, he was he was out there, and, he, and that's a weird guy for me to name there because he he was excellent. Um, but that, I just think, is a really powerful quote. Um, right. Defensively, that's the gist of it for me. What do, you, what do you make of all that, Seth? I mean, it's so easy to look at the final score of games and we always look at, you know, I, th- I think it, maybe I heard you say this, you know, it's, you know, last thing, biggest thing, like everyone kind of focuses on the last thing that occurs. But if you look at how this game played out, so the bills fumble it from the get go chiefs have a chance to go up three, nothing or seven, nothing. They don't. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, the, the defense holds the bills to another field goal. Def- offense scores. Then here's where you've got a crucial point in the game. So Chiefs go up 7-0. The defense manages to hold in the red zone. Get, turns the ball over. No points. That's a chance for the Chiefs now. They're already up 7-3. This is a chance for them to go up either a full touchdown or more, right? Nope. Yep. Three and out. Yep. Then the defense forces a three and out on their own. What? So the Chiefs, again, have another chance to, you know, extend the lead, take control of the game. And, and, and the, the Bills are running the ball really well. They would have abandoned that if they were down 10. 
not abandoned completely, but they are a team. They're kind of like Andy Reid with the way they do things. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not hard to get the Bills to abandon running the ball. And let me tell you, like, I understand running the ball. It's kind of funny because I'm always talking about how it's not that important. It can be situationally in terms of what it does to your pass rush and your personnel groupings. And when they're running for like seven yards a carry, those are all bad things. So in that first half, they had these two straight chances up 7-3 to take complete control of the game. You know, you go up 14-3 is a very different gig, right? Finally, the Bills, they, they, they punt the ball back, the Bills score a touchdown, and then it, the whole world gets mad at the defense. It's like, well, how many times in a row do you expect that defense to do that if you are an offensive-based team? So then you go into halftime. And and I I know I'm taking a long road to all this, but I really want to explain to people how you have to take into account. Like one great thing to do is look at the play-by-plays. Look at drive-by-drive, how games ebbed and flowed. And you can see how it might go different. Mm -hmm. They miss a field goal to start off the second half. there There were some issues there. And then the Bills score. Hey, the Chiefs offense, they score. Bills, defense holds. They they lose out on downs. And then the two plays, two drives in a row after the t- their first touch on the second half, the Bills have downs and punt. The Chiefs went up 2017. They, they capitalized somewhat with a field goal, go up 2017. And then the defense forced a punt in in four plays. On a on a on a on a trip, right? That, that was that was first. He time. was being first held, team. sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was such a blatant trip. That really should have been a called hold. And then, like, the, the, then, then, yeah, he tripped him. So, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I love Twitter. I was like, oh, there's Chris Jones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jim, he, no, no. he tripped him. Damn he hundred yeah, it. <sighs> I was just, I was saying he's there. He's one of the best pass rushers all year. Yeah, he tripped him. He tripped him, yep. Jim. I'm sorry. No, he, he definitely did. And he's, it was funny because Jones has been robbed of multiple sacks this year by horrendous calls. So then to see him collect name, one on a horrendous okay, yeah, call. Okay, yeah, sure, Seth, name one. <laughs> so you you have that two straight stops. The Chiefs get the ball back with seven minutes and 36 seconds left and a three-point lead. If you pulled Chiefs Twitter that is currently very upset at the defense, and I get why the defense gave up some plays. It happened. It absolutely happened. They didn't tackle particularly well. It happened. But if you were to pull anyone, any subsection of Chiefs fans and say, all right, we're going to give you, you can skip ahead and you can pick with seven minutes and 36 seconds left in the fourth. The Chiefs, however you got there, have a three-point lead and the ball. And the ball. Would yeah, you take, you take would a three-point deficit in the ball in that spot. Yep. Would you take it? And anyone, knowing their injuries, knowing the things they had going on, would have said, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, and it's not like they, they were down four. With two timeouts left and a minute to go on the 25-yard line. They had, they had the offense had multiple chances to win this game. Yep. And so it, it's always one of those things. People want to pick something. They want to assign percentage of blame. And I get that. But anytime that you have a team that is generally based around its offense, or at least is supposed to be, you're starting off with a 60-40 shift there. And I just, they held the Bills to 24 points. Now, some of that was because the Bills made some self-inflicted errors. The defense didn't play amazingly, but they played pretty well under those circumstances. And they made stops. It looks better when you look at it is the long road to the short thought here. It looks even better for the defense. 
if you look at it on a play-by-play basis. And situationally, the number of chances the offense had to win or put the game a little more out of reach to where you weren't biting your fingernails later on. Like, if you're up 10 in the fourth quarter with, you know, six minutes left and they score a touchdown, it's not nearly as big a deal because you've got some cushion and they had every chance for that. And there's blame for everyone. And I think that's why this is one of those games that has people so fired up is because the answer to almost anything you point at is both yes and no. Oh, you took you right at the end. You you basically slammed that. I thought I was going to have a chance to like tip it in at the rim. And I think you pretty much landed the plane. So I'll at least I'll at least tweak it a little bit, Seth, because I I think that what what we could do is we could go pretty darn near dude by dude players, coaching staff, et cetera, units of, you know, defensive line, linebackers, pass rush, blitzes, spags, um, and Nick Bolton, uh, Chris Jones, whatever, to, to Travis can, Kelsey, Marcus Elder Scantling. And can, you can, can find I, can, I, can I be the defending attorney? Can I be can I represent the defendants in this in these cases? Just run oh, by I, one. What, All what, are, your, what All are your defense? I will be the defensive attorney. Uh, for the defense, just just you name the case, I'll I'll I will defend it. Well, here here's my here's my prosecution first, and then we can figure out where to, how to press charges. <laughs> is that is that I could go through that list and I could find a whole bunch of guys that probably played B games. Like I, I it's hard to gauge the interior because there was pressure on on Mahomes, but like Creed Humphrey's a, a fun one to pick here mm-hmm. because. I, look, I, again, there was some interior pressure, so I'm not sure Creed had like a perfect pass blocking game or anything, and the running game is a different animal. But if Creed Humphrey had a perfect blocking game, he lost the team one touchdown by being an extra couple yards downfield on a play that should have been a touchdown to MVS. Correct. That's not a so, so therefore Creed Humphrey could have played an A minus game. Right. That minus cost you points, and yeah. I think you could probably do that for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Steve Spagnuolo and the defense and the offense. I just that is to to just sort of underline Seth's angle there. I don't know that anyone was blameless, and I also don't think there's a scapegoat. Which the Colts game had scapegoats. It was that was pretty easy to point to the issues there. This one just seems more convoluted because yeah, I think you probably can um, go ahead and def- defend uh, Steve Spagnuolo for me, uh, Nate. I I I would happily switch places with you, but I'll I'll let you be the defender. Ah, yes, yes, um, Your Honor. They walked into the stadium with five dudes, and I had two rookies on the outside. They scored 24 points. <laughs> I rest my game. 24 points. <laughs> like, there's there's really only one mistake, I thought, that Steve Spagnuolo made in the game. Because, guys, for almost two quarters, he, he, he was confusing Josh Allen with smoke and mirrors. Just... <laughs> I mean, it was the ultimate, like, we're going to act like this is just a classic Ben don't break. And I thought, you know what? Seems fair to me. Everybody play zone, drop back. The game really comes down to red zone and, like, can we can we be tight in condensed spaces? Then, in the second quarter, he's like, you know what? Fuck that. All right, let's just heat them up. Like, like light them on fire. And he did it in the red zone, which was even more like compelling almost because it's like you know who's playing quarterback right like you know who's on the other side but it's a way of just speeding up the quarterback because he doesn't normally get blitzed which is again really interesting coaching and decision making because he's so good that he never gets blitzed 
So why don't I just give my most exotic blitzes to this man? Like, we're going to blitz Juan Thornhill four times out of the next six snaps or whatever. And it, by and large, worked. He threw an inaccurate pass to Isaiah McKenzie. Yep. And that's why they didn't succeed on, on fourth down. I thought for a second it was Nick Bolton who tipped the ball. But no, it's just a bad throw because Josh Allen is literally sped up in his head. Yes. Everything's going smooth. Even with the offenses, whatever, it's still 7-3, and they're at the one-yard line because Nick Bolton, again, makes the proper read on what really was a very telegraph-like quarterback sneak. Uh, but, hey, he makes a play. He makes a tackle. They're at the one. They play deep zone, which is totally appropriate. Josh Allen makes one of those alien throws. Cool. They play more soft, more soft, more soft, more soft. Almost trying to lull Josh Allen to sleep so that he could speed him up again, so that he could literally light another match. No. <laughs> Just no. Now, any coach will tell you the hardest throws to make is nine routes on the boundary in man-to-man coverage if you're in the picture. Problem is, that's Josh Allen and Gabe Davis. <laughs> so that was literally the one call he got wrong. Because I felt it gave the Bills a little bit of momentum, a little bit of life on offense. Because if they had gone into halftime with just three points on the scoreboard, psychologically, it's like, like what you know, does the quarterback feel even more pressed to make plays? Does he play even more out of structure in an improper fashion than ultimately what we saw in the fourth quarter, which is, oh, they 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 got us for a half with basically smoke and mirrors and, and blitzes that they can't run every play. Um, not for lack of trying not for lack of trying now (laughs) now it just comes down to can I just execute and can we block Chris Jones and they did that for most of the second half the Chiefs defense I don't believe made any real drastic mistakes it's just hey uh, fourth and two fourth and one guy's a tank hey uh, we're gonna do this like Fake counter quarterback sweep. Yeah, and I'm just gonna hurdle the one, you know, just one of the better defenders on the field. It's just gonna hurdle him. Hey, uh Justin Reed told us in the locker room that, hey, based on formation, based on, you know, preparation and film study, Dawson Knox ran a seven route. Doesn't matter that you covered the seven route, still a touchdown. So I don't care how you get there. They held them to 24 points. And if you do that in January, you will shake Steve Spagnuolo's hand right now, or you should, and say, thank you very much, sir. I will move on and see if Patrick Mahomes can can obviously get more points on the other side. But they had fourth down stops. They had red zone turnovers. They had a red zone stop. They had a sack on third down. Like, they did as much as you could do with the defense not having five contributors um, who were available on opening day. I, but I, but Steve Spagnuolo did make one mistake, and that was, yeah, no, you can't. <sighs> the time was at your advantage, so you can't blitz uh, with cover one. It was a cover one blitz. Yeah, like, it's Josh Allen and Gabe Davis against a rookie in his first start. Yeah, probably so, should have just stayed in more drop. Like shell zones, like make them, you know, matriculate down the field. 
and hope that they have to kick a field goal. Not only do I totally ride with you on all of the defenses of the defense, I'm not saying I want to defend the blitz on the Gabe Davis touchdown, but I really want to talk about it because I just find this play really tremendously interesting, partially because it's pretty simple. I because everyone listening right now just went, oh, Josh is going to the three of these guys on a podcast and Josh is going to diagram a play on a podcast. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> but I feel confident doing it because of exactly how simply it played out. The Chiefs bring seven. The Bills keep seven. You've got your five men on the offensive line. You have a tight end and a running back in the backfield and then your receivers all go. Every single one of the dudes in white not holding the football. So you got Josh Allen back there and you got Juan Thornhill on the other side as your cover one. Yep. Everybody else is manned up or blitzing. Every single potential blocker for the Bills grabbed somebody. George yep. Karloftis went to the ground and got pounced on. Nick Bolton is about two, about a yard past the line of scrimmage, you know, and Allen's 15 yard drop back or so. Um, Legereus Sneed gets picked up by the running back. And, and by the time he tries to run around Chris Jones, it's too late. Chris Jones gets back, but not into Josh Allen until it's just too late. Justin Reed gets around the tight end in the backfield, but it's too late. Frank Clark is literally not even touching the the left tackle. I'm not sure what's going on there, but it's definitely not impacting the play. Nor is, um, I think that might be Mike Dana on the the replay here that I'm looking at. Um, I I wonder on those. Far away from the play. I wonder on those plays if if they're more structurally furniture- Sure, containing Josh Allen, keeping yes. holding him in the pocket, et cetera. Yeah, yes. so and, totally, and the, totally tracks. And somebody else is supposed to get home, like the defense. Like you don't. Blitz. I think it's the defensive backs. I think it's Snead and Reed yes. here. Yeah, and I wonder. I wonder if Karloftis fell down or if he was trying to do a thing there. I don't know. I wouldn't want to put fifty six on the floor if I could help it. But yes, but, I, I absolutely. I'm with you. Where where Clark and right. Bolton and Naughty, or, or excuse me, Clark Bolton and, and Dana are just sort of cupping the backside of, for Allen. And whenever Allen rolls left, it's when he typically runs. If he rolls right, it seems like he keeps looking down the field. Uh, and and Jones sort of crushes in on that, on the opposite side. And they just picked it up. Yep. They, they just picked it up. And then Josh Allen threw a dart. If Trent McDuffie, no, he's not there. So this is not, again, this is why it's not an excuse. But if Trent McDuffie is the guy one-on-one with Gabe Davis... Frankly, if it's, I don't know, if it's Rashad Fenton having a great moment or if it's Jalen Watson with a little more confidence, if it's Joshua Williams later in the game, that might just be a a pass breakup or an overthrow. And instead, it was a total dart. I, I understand being frustrated with the blitz there, but the blitzes were part of the reason that the Bills only had three points at that point in the game and they just picked it up. I, I again that is my this concludes this concludes Josh's super simplified breakdown on purpose um, where the guys in white blocked the guys in red and then the giant in white threw it to the fast guy in white and that was seven points no no better game will be more more um, there will be no better game this year more helpful for the development in year two of George Karloftis than going against that alien mm. Because I think I have contained, why is he running by me? <laughs> I think I have him to the edge. Holy smokes. Um, Nick Bolton, by the way, said um, he describes Josh Allen as a freak defensive end with the football. And I said, yeah, that tracks. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've never anticipated a defensive end with the football who also knows how to throw it on time with pinpoint accuracy and uh, world class arm strength, but yeah, you you go try tackling that that defensive end. 
uh, George Karloftis. So I know George has had a very like interesting season, even though if it doesn't necessarily translate statistically. But I just thought like, man, that first half, whew, yeah, dog, it's it's a different weight class up here. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, Seth, Nate and I have been talking for a long time. Do you want to respond to anything that we've said over the last uh, 45 minutes or so since we gave you some space, or do you want to have the Nick Bolton conversation? <laughs> um, we could have the Nick Bolton conversation. We should do both. We should, If there's anything you want to correct us on, you should do that I, now, and we should also talk about Nick Bolton. I, I wouldn't say necessarily correct. I just think um, you're talking about the blitzing. You could see... Um, the Bills starting to get some of their protections in order on those blitzes at the end of the first half. Mm. And that, generally speaking, is a bad sign. And I've actually seen this happen before with Spags, where if he's got to kind of, you know, release the hounds earlier than he'd like in a game, teams have a little more success picking up those protections because now they've seen it. And not that he doesn't dress it up differently, not that he, I mean, he's got any number of different ways he does things, but... You could see it. They really messed with Allen the first half dozen or so times they blitzed. And just steadily over the course of the game, the Bills got a little more used to it and figured out what they have to do. And it is actually a version of what the Raiders have been doing against Spags the last few years that when their defense isn't completely melting down and (laughs) putting them in impossible situations, they've had some success with. And that's, hey, you know what we're going to do? 
we're going to keep the tight end in and we're going to keep the running back in. We're going to assume we need seven. We're going to assume that he's going to send six or seven guys. And then it's going to be a cover zero or cover one with man coverage. And we're going to have mismatches down the field one-on-one. Similar to what the Bengals had some success. And that's something you'll actually, if you look for it, and to be fair, if you look for anything, you'll see it. But if you look for it, sometimes when offenses have success against the Chiefs is Spags will be aggressive and the teams, once they start to account for it and just assume in important downs, they're going to need to keep extra guys in. And the reason you don't like keeping extra guys in is because you don't have as many uh, receivers, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're right about how many guys they're, you're, they're sending, that also means that there's just wide open spaces back there, you know, because there's only like three or four defenders trying to cover. You know, football fields are big, you know, like <laughs> that's, there's, there's your analysis. It's just a lot of ground to cover when you're one-on-one. And if you've got it called out correctly and you're picking it up correctly, you've got enough bodies there, then that allows you to sit and survey for four seconds. And the offense wins that the vast majority of time, especially when you're down multiple corners and one of your safeties and that kind of thing. So I, I, I'm agreeing with you guys and just providing a little more context to it. I just think that they had to start firing off those bullets a little earlier than they would have liked. And I'm curious, had the offense taken advantage of some of those opportunities early, would they have felt the need mm. to do it? Mm. And would you have been able to fire up some of those later on in the game? Um, the Nick Bolton conversation I'm ready to have. I just feel like it distracts from some of the stuff with the offense. I'd really like to get to the play calling versus I might actually write. I've been trying to think about what to write because I've been on the road. I might actually write, you know, was it the play calling or was it execution? Yes, because (laughs) that's what I think people need to see because it's a snap by snap thing. And if you're just trying to focus on one thing, I get looking for a scapegoat, but you're kind of missing a lot of context and nuance. Seth, Seth, his name is Vaughn. Miller. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and that's totally true. Right. And I'm just trying to make I'm scene. just trying to make you laugh. I just I just, oh. want you to, I just want you to know that like in like I don't know, the fourteenth paragraph should probably mention Von Miller. You yeah. Know, destroyer of worlds. Yeah. Every now and then the other guy's just gonna make a play. What can you do? They even if I'm remembering, I think Mahomes was sliding away from him to try to buy that extra moment. They, they, they thought they accounted for him, and he just won too fast. It's like, oh, Andrew Wiley's got to hold up there. I mean, sure, I guess. But, you know, when Chris Jones does it to guards, we're like, what a great play by Chris Jones. Yes, that's the answer. Um, the context of evaluation, especially when you're a fan of one particular team, is always in context of your team being yes. the subject of the sentence. That, that really, that is a really well said thing. It's not the other guy won. It's that your guy lost. Right. Or yes. it's not that the other guy lost. It's that your guy won. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's the way, that works that way all the time. Whatever you're looking for is what you're going to find. But yeah, the Nick Bolton conversation, there's nuance to that too. I wrote about Nick Bolton a lot this offseason. He made a ton of improvements, in my opinion, last year over the course of time as a coverage guy. Um... I do think that when Willie Gay Jr. has been out this year, there's been a little bit of exposure to Nick Bolton when he has not sent on a run blitz, when he has not given a really defined downhill job to do. And that's part of why the Bills had the success they had running the ball and targeting the middle of the field or the short sidelines. Some of it should look very familiar to Chiefs fans. 
because some of Nick Bolton's weaknesses at times are similar to Anthony Hitchens. And that's something that is okay to accept while saying Nick Bolton also has a number of strengths. And that's where like this has been, I feel like he's kind of gotten the scapegoat conversation. Which I don't understand because I mean, I don't feel like he's gotten scapegoated. I just have seen some people like, I just seeing him get exploited. So I'm yeah, go ahead. I don't un- I just don't understand it. It it's almost as if like Derek Noddy uh or Tershawn Wharton not being available, or hey, Chris Jones being a little uh eager to get upfield also aren't part of the equation either. But like sure. I don't know. They 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 schemed up Stefan Diggs against Nick Bolton. What do y'all want? <laughs> I, <laughs> I, 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 okay. I'm sorry. I, I've 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 jumped ahead of the snap, Seth. You continue, but I just I don't get it because uh, he not the problem by and large. Even within the context of like the defense isn't really the problem for this particular game. And. I, I think, um, it, like, I agree with you that the defense, by and large, isn't the problem. I think the thing that I saw, um, because you make a really good point, like, well, let's talk about the defensive line as well. Because Nick Bolton is not a player, wasn't in college, and isn't now, in my opinion, whose strength is taking on blockers that reach the second level. He's not a block shedder. That's never really been his game. And there are some mics who can play like that, who they can, like, that's actually something like uh, Leo Chanel, like he struggles with some things, but like when blockers reach him, he's actually got the length to, to fight off those blocks and still get where he's going. That's not Bolton. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of those mm-hmm. things that you'll see when blockers reach him at the second level, there is some real there, there are some problems there for him. You're looking for some resistance is what you're saying. Yeah, some resistance or 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 shaking loose and and being able to get there to your assignment rather than just kind of getting buried. And and sure, you, you eventually make a tackle, but if it's eight to ten yards downfield, like we we we've seen that play. And so I think because Bolton, there was a lot of conversation about him to start the season. I think what ends up happening is there's going to inevitably be a backlash. I don't think Bolton's the primary problem on the defense. Um, I do think some of his weaknesses are exposed when he is not sharing the field with one of the most athletic linebackers in the league. Mm-hmm. And that, and I do think Willie Gay's ability just constantly gets overlooked. I, I think he's the best linebacker on the team. He's the most versatile linebacker on the team. Um, and, and I think having him back makes a big difference in this game. And so it, it, it's just it's just tough because Bolton is a player who can do some things. He tackles really well, plays his butt off. When he hits a guy, the play ends. Um, generally speaking, he seems to have improved his reaction time enough to help make up for some stuff in coverage. Like we talked about that. Some guys just know how to play ball. Right. However, this was not a good game for him. He had some really splashy plays, but... There were also like when you're watching Buffalo like run the ball for 10 yards a pop for a little while. Some of that's on him. And but at the same time, it's really easy to focus just on that guy. It's like, well, what was Leo Chanel doing? What was Darius Harris doing? Because a lot of those runs were against base. Right. And that's where you see the 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 overall problem in the linebacker core is without Willie Gay Jr., you see the return of some problems that existed for a long time in terms of 
lack of speed, um, and not just sideline to sideline, but even like just getting to the gaps. So some of that is Nick Bolton. I think he becomes the easy scapegoat because he's the biggest name. And when people expect star performance, you know, if something falls short of it, they're going to get upset. The thing I was going to offer as the peacemaker on the linebacker conversation, I think Seth already gave me. So we're going to see if Nate comes with us on this one, I suppose. Here, here is what I will offer. This is a totally false choice. This is not practical. In a grander sense, it could be in like draft picks and stuff, but that's not the point. Just in a totally created vacuum, I would rather have Darius Harris and Willie Gay on the field than Darius Harris and Nick Bolton on the field. That's partially about Darius Harris. It's partially hmm. about what Willie Gay does, but I would rather watch Darius Harris try to do Nick Bolton things with Willie Gay doing Willie Gay things than the inverse. Do I get that, do I get either of you with me on that? Seth, are you? I, on that I'm, one? I'm I'm a hundred percent with you on that. I think Willie Gay is very unique on this team. Yeah, yeah. I, that'll be that'll be fascinating. I mean, it'll be. I mean, we can talk about this obviously moving forward. It, it's going to be wild to see what they do because you still want to develop Leo Chanel in base probably because that's the you know that's the traditional foundational work that you want to do with a guy that you've invested a third round pick in. Um, Darius Harris is kind of the monkey wrench out of the four um, because he he's just he's just been really reliable. And I know that there were times yesterday where even he was you know he he just wasn't great in, in pass coverage. And that's Willie Gay's job. So how you can scheme up that or scheme around that will be fascinating. Um, I don't know, man. It's it's odd to say, like, you know, Jonathan Taylor was one of the best running backs, if not the best running back last year. And I know he's dealing with some injuries right now. But, like, the reason why he wasn't a factor in that game earlier this season was because of, like, Nick Bolton and Darius Harris. Um, and, you know... For the six linemen that the Raiders showed with Josh Jacobs, yeah, that's troubling. Um, depending on how willing this team is to to win now versus development, which is the real pull, which is the real tug of war that's going on, um, and that's probably something I'll dive into. As we get to November, because that's probably when you got to start making like hard decisions is like Leo Chanel probably shouldn't play defensive snaps. But one end of the tug of war is you develop him now so that he'll be you will better reap those benefits later versus the more in the moment mode of like. Well, Darius Harris is a more well-rounded, accomplished player who just proved to you in a four-game sample that he is serviceable and reliable. So as you bring Willie Gay into the mix, it should probably be Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, and Darius Harris. But, like, yeah, we invested a third-round pick in this guy. And he might be good, like, sooner rather than later. Who knows? Um, but there's a big tug of war going on about development versus like what will win us games this week and what will win us games in January against a team as quality as the Bills. Um, and one of those tug of wars is in the Chiefs backfield. And I'm probably leaning towards more of like 
you should probably pull more on that Pacheco side of it. Mm-hmm. Because two carries, I don't care who you are, that that that's not enough experience for the rookie. Um, but also skill set kind of kind of want to pull on it more. Um, so you know, as 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 we move into like the second phase of the season, because obviously Chiefs Bills was most important as we sort of led up to this to this third of the year. You obviously have the bye week after San Francisco. Um, I just I'm fascinated just to hear fans and and other people's thoughts about like with a ten rookie class with about seven of them being in the mix. Are you on the side of patience and developing them all season long, or is it who is the better players at those positions to help me win games now and in January? I think that's a very interesting context to keep in mind going forward. I think. We'll probably have lots of examples to look back on that in the near future. So I I am filing that one away. Um, Seth, did you want to circle back to more on execution versus play calling? Or do you want to hold that until after you presumably write about it? Uh, or is there anything else that you think, hey, we haven't gotten here yet, and I think this from the game really mattered? Um, I, I think that quietly, and I, I'm going to really take a look, I don't know how well Mahomes played this game. Boy, um, it's a, it's a, it's a, whoo, it's, it's like a bag, you know, it's like trick-or-treating. Some yeah. of the things you really like, and some of the things you're like, why did I even show up at your house? Why'd you even open the door if you was going to give me this, you know? Like, why would you open the door if you're just going to give me, like, a let me throw into double coverage pressure in the corner of the end zone? But at the yeah. same time, can you give me more of them RPO slingers? Right. And sometimes you get a bag of chocolate candy that for no reason has Twizzlers in it. And that makes it all taste a little bit like Twizzlers, which are fine in their own right, but it ruins all of the chocolate. This was a real this was a real parents check your kids uh Halloween candy performance for Factory Mahomes. I would rather find drugs in my child's trick-or-treat bag than chocolates that have been tainted by being packaged manufactured into a bag with fruit candy. Put the fruit candy in one bag and put it in its own bowl and put the chocolate candy in its own bag and put it in its own bowl. This is not that hard. Hershey candy companies. <laughs> Separate your chocolates and your fruit candies. They're all good. Not when they mixed up. Hey, hey, would you, would you, would you like a perfectly called screenplay in perfectly wrapped and yeah, it's what it's what Josh just just described as the as the attempted pass, <laughs> like based on pressure. Um, but still, like it was. Uh, Seth, I'll be I'll be fascinated to read your Mahomes review because I think it's the hardest review of the year so far. Also, we didn't actually let you talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just the Twizzlers uh... and the chocolate bag are drafting a running back with your only first round pick in that year's draft. It's totally useless. It makes everything else harder. Who was like, cool, let's do it. Seth, Seth, uh, your thoughts, Seth? I, uh, so I, I, I really want to see <clears throat> what the protection looked like when you can stop, you know, and fast forward and rewind and that kind of stuff because he looked he looked like he was struggling with happy feet a little bit. 
Um, now, I know that some of the interior pressure was there more than what he's been used to lately. I just need to see the timing of it. But like the, the you know, the early t the early interception to MVS, honestly, when I look at the placement of that, for one thing, he wasn't double covered. That, that, that That's not double coverage. That's there. There happened to be two defenders near him, but people always call it double coverage and it drives me crazy, which I know is dumb. But like he, he gave him a shot. MVS is tall. I do wonder like at what point the Chiefs are going to stop treating MVS like he's a Jamar Chase style of receiver because he's not. Mm -hmm. He is a deep threat who can run pretty better routes than I thought. He's he's actually someone who should be like an intermediate, you yeah. know, sort of knight compared to he, on the chessboard compared to, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster and obviously, I mean, all world Travis Kelsey. Sure. And so MVS, he has a role. He's a decent receiver, but they keep asking him to be like this. I won't say, let's not say Jamar Chase because that's not fair, right? They expect him to be like a Jody Fortson style, right? Jody Fortson, like that's, that oh, touchdown. That's, that's just as unreasonable. I mean, come on. It's not <laughs> so Jody Fortson. I mean, I wasn't going to say it, but <laughs> thank you, Josh. Almost every Jody Fortson touchdown that we've seen this year, preseason and otherwise. It's like against Tampa, right? You're one-on-one. -on -one. I'm just way bigger than you, Carlton Davis. And you can try to run through me, but I'm too big. I'm too strong. MVS just doesn't play that way. And they keep trying to give him the ball on some of these, these um, adjustment situations. Because he had another drop where he was, you know, it was a tough catch, but he was sliding to the ground. But you got to catch that. And that's just not him. He's not a body adjustment guy with the ball in the air. He's a guy who down the field can adjust to the ball on its flight path. That's what makes him a good deep threat. But I mean, that, that that's the only problem I really have with that throw is the to whomst. And I, just with Mahomes a few times. And then the late pick was just indefensible. That was, that was, I get it. You're trying to make things happen, but it's first and 10 and you're under pressure. And so just throw the ball away, man. Just, you know, throw the ball away because the defender read it. I mean, it just, he didn't realize, I'm sure he knew the minute he threw the ball that that was going to get picked off. Nate and I picked the bill. So this game couldn't be a chief's curse, but think of all the bleep that Seth, that Nate has had for Matt Milano all these years. And then right there, who's in Patrick Mahomes's face as he throws the game away, Matt freaking Milano. This one's yeah, on Nate. This curse is not my fault. Yeah, and it was a, do it, it was in a, the playoffs, Milano. <laughs> well, do it, it was, in the playoffs. It was a great, it was a great uh, call by the uh, the Bills defense. That said, Trey Smith watched Milano for a little too long. Didn't help on the inside with Miller, which led to the pressure. It just, it's just tough. But I don't know if Mahomes played his best game here. I don't even know if he played a B plus game. He might have played more of a B or a B minus game for Mahomes. And that that all that's not. Oh, it's Mahomes' fault they lost. No. Or and yes. But by, like, by, by the way, his best snap because I I said on Twitter his best throw was the NVS touchdown that didn't count. Gosh, his best funny. play is that third and goal where he just literally hands it from heaven to McCole Hardman. Yes, here, here, son, <laughs> here, here's a touchdown for you. Like right. under pressure or like uh, I gotta wait one to two, two to three, three to four. Oh, let me just hand you a gentle touchdown in the middle of the end zone on third down. To just, again, yeah. continue to, like, 
thwart the Bills' best efforts. And then and then Von Miller went into like another mode right after that. Right. Although I would note that on that third down where Mahomes took the sack on that second to last drive, the play call was for Wiley to be one-on-one in space yep. against Miller. That's not that's not right. That is not a thing to do there. And, and that's and, where it, it does. Andrew Riley was like, dog, my hands are, uh, my hand placement is great. How, how did he bend his entire body under my hands? How? Yeah. How? Yeah, the, and stay full speed ahead at Mahomes. He, he shouldn't have been in that position. And that's where, oh, so it's like, oh, Seth, you're letting Andy Reid off the hook. No, I'm not. That, you, you can't put Andrew Riley with the game on the line in that, in that, situation you just can't do it especially when the number one called route i just double checked to make sure was it was a corner a shot play kind of to the 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 hole between the deep safety and the underneath corner and and the bills covered it pretty well that's why mahomes didn't get rid of it because he didn't want to throw a pick ironically enough um but that put wiley alone in space and you know it's a shot play that's going to take a minute to develop and you're leaving wiley alone in space I, that that bothers me. And so that's probably what I'm going to write about is some of the the tactical and execution errors. How it really does come down to both. Like what was Creed Humphrey doing five yards down? It wasn't a screen. I don't think it was. A, but, it, was an R, it was an RPO. Oh basically. right, yeah. But I mean, you know, an RPO is you've got to once you start to get upfield, you, you've got to figure out what's going on. Although that's not super fair for offensive linemen, by the but, way. So that's me kind but, of just being a whiner. It, I, I was with you, but then also it was pointed out to me at some point today, like, hey, he was the only lineman that far down the field. I was like, yeah, good point. Also, his quarterback is Patrick Mahomes, and it's not the same as if, you know, you've got Derek Carr back there running an RPO, where the ball's either in the, the stomach of your running back or out of Derek Carr's hands in two seconds. Like, sometimes Mahomes takes his time to paint, you know? That's just sort of what happens. So. Yeah. Uh, so, go ahead. Put a I, I, was, I was just going to, I was just going to say, it really is like a yes or no game where you really do have a lot of things that you can point to. And the thing that I would maybe leave fans with is that at this time last year, after seven games, I believe they were three or no, we're in, we're six games in the Chiefs started off last year. It was three and four, right? Correct. And they looked worse. Yes. Worse is the <laughs> word I was going to use as well. Worse. They they looked worse than they looked right now. If I recall, when they played the Bills around this time last year, they got boat raced. Bad uh, bad roughing call would have made things interesting. Would have been a pick. Turn it around there late in the second yep. half. But definitely, but it was definitely. they they got beat. They got they, beat for sure. They got beat soundly. Yes. And and so and they looked bad doing it. And they were turning yes, the ball over left and right. And so we all knew this year they are doing a very they're doing a soft reset on the offense with a totally new wide receiver group and a pretty hard reset on the defensive side of the ball with rookies everywhere. Four and two is not a terrible place to be. Let's see how they look against San Francisco. And then they've got the bye week. Now, if they lose to San Fran, it's like, that's less than ideal. But if someone had said four and two after six games, given the schedule they played, I'd have said, cool. Yeah, yeah, no, that that seems fine. Um, maybe you would have swapped, I don't know, Indy for Tampa, but uh, you know, yeah, right, or, right, or yeah, like, right, or Indy for LA on a short, short week. Yeah, sure. Um, no, they're four and two, four and two is is good. Have you looked at the 
rest of the standings, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it's the Chiefs and the Bills, and then it's the Jets, and then it's everybody else. Um, I don't think that there are three teams at the top of the AFC. I think there are two, and I think they played each other on Sunday. Look, guys, it's okay to admit it. Let's all go through it together. Obviously, the team you root for has Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, they are only going to continue to play weird games. But, guys, look, there was a segment of Bills Mafia that was ready to show up on Friday. Um, And we, you know, we should all just acknowledge that you should probably clear out a weekend in late January. It's time. It's, it's, it's time for the rivalry to reach the stage. And this is probably where we're headed. We're probably headed to Buffalo for another divisional or AFC championship game where the bills are probably the one seed. I mean, I cannot believe that the Jets are the hardest opponent left on their schedule based on record. Now, obviously, things will change, of course. But it, it is it is super rich. I was just like, you got to be kidding me. That you got to be. It's the Vikings who, I mean, hey, man, get them does when they there. And in the, in the, in the New York bleeping Jets. Um, so, hey, go coat shopping. Uh, start seeing if you can get <laughs> tickets now. You know, uh, protect your ears, protect your fingers, protect your feet. Um, cause I just want to tell everybody what it was like in 2006. Cause I was there. I remember it. The New England Patriots had to go to the RCA dome, which does not exist for the AFC championship game where Peyton Manning finally had gotten in a very weird manner because I think it was a five six matchup where they had finally gotten to host the AFC Championship game. That is essentially what is all that's left for the Bills in the regular season is just to secure such a uh, such an occasion with the idea of potentially hosting the Chiefs in in a game for the Super Bowl. This feels natural. This is understandable to me. This is how rivalries ebbs and flows, and we are in the Brady Manning era of of this particular rivalry so it's okay it's okay to acknowledge that like hey you were not good enough to win uh on sunday both teams will change and some elements will improve and some elements may get worse but we'll see who's the better team in the rematch and i just thought it was i thought it was so cool that like no one was asking these questions and just about everybody on the team was just like, yeah, we're going to see them boys again. Yes. Yeah. yeah we're we'll, 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 we ready. Don't worry. I, I promise you we will see the bills. I mean, like, to the point that, like, when I finally got to Nick Bolton, I was like, hey, man, it's not like everybody ready to just see. The-. I mean, look, I know there's a lot of days between now and like, the AFC Championship games. He's like, I'm a firm believer. <sighs> okay. So it's all right, guys. It's okay to acknowledge that, like, we're entering a new chapter of this rivalry, which probably means it's going to be very cold in January in, 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 in northwestern New York.